You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We are in an important time in, in history, and uh, we need to speak the truth. And the same word that can set you free can also offend you. Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He set a lot of people free, but then, you know, at the end of the Gospels, we had tons of people yelling, crucify him, crucify him, because they were offended. And so uh, at this church, our goal is always to love, to bless, to give grace, but never, ever stray from this, from the word. And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing today as we smile and you guys laugh and have fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, at the end of last year, we had a, uh, an event called Champions Night. And at our Champions Night, <clears throat> we have uh, our Pathfinders come together, our Vision Builders come together, and we just have a, a, an awesome time of food and fun. And, and last year, it was a little bit unique, right, because we were coming into not only a brand new year, but a brand new decade, the 20s. And so it was a time of excitement, of hope, of of anticipation, and we are prophesying into 2020 and prophesying into the decade of the 20s, and, and uh, it was kind of modeled after the 1920s, and so we were all dressed up in this cool, these cool outfits, and what was it called? What, what would you call that? What would you call that garb? What is it? Gatsby? Okay, we were dressed up in Gatsby, and uh, that's what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say that because, you know. Uh, we were dressed up in Gatsby, and so it was just this fun time and anticipation. And so I looked back at uh, kind of the, what the 1920s represented and what was happening in the 1920s. And uh, it was funny because I did a little bit of research, and the first article that I read, the first line says, the 20s was a period in history of dramatic social and political change. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, I went on to say that uh, uh, in the 20s, more people started migrating towards cities and away from farms. In the 20s, the nation's wealth, America's wealth doubled in the decade of the 20s. So it was a decade of prosperity and people flourishing and, and America flourishing. The world had gotten smaller because of the radio. So now people had radios. More and more people had radios. And, and distribution across the country for, for consumerism um, had expanded because now, now you had chain stores all across the United States. And so people were buying the same goods on the East Coast as they were on the West Coast. So the world kind of got a little bit smaller in the 20s. Um, the women got the right to vote. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And all the ladies said, hey. Okay. Um, the automobile, the Ford Model T, became affordable, $260 in 1924 for a car. And it said that uh, financing was in abundance so people could get a loan for $224 and buy a car. And by this time, uh, so one in every five people had a car, it became an essential part of, of the, the way that we did life. Um, prohibition was passed. So bars and taverns closed immediately. You guys are more righteous than the other, camp, the other services. When I said that at the other services, people are like, boo. <laughs> Great job, Robbins. You guys are raising up righteous people. <laughs> Give yourselves in. So uh, prohibition was passed. So bars and taverns closed like all in one day. But what was interesting is it said that alcohol consumption wasn't outlawed. Just the manufacturing and sale of alcohol was outlawed. And so the whole alcohol world went underground. 
I also read where it said this one group had 14 years of alcohol in storage. So they knew this was coming and they just started buying up alcohol. So, uh, so, so the underground kind of alcohol world went underground and it started to be controlled by gangsters such as Al Capone. Al Capone reportedly had a thousand gunmen, so he had his own army and half of Chicago's police force on his payroll. How crazy is that? And so uh, nowadays, some would say that the highest levels of law enforcement, the FBI and the CIA, are also controlled by gangsters, but they're a different type of gangster called the deep state. Some might say that. Some might say that. Some might say that. But they are being exposed in Jesus' name. Um, one historian writes this, and he said that there was a cultural civil war, and he mentions a few different cultural civil wars happening in the 20s. The first one was between city dwellers and small town residents. And I would say that would be like uh, the liberals versus the conservatives, right? If you go into city centers around the country, you will find that in the city centers, there are more liberal uh, ideas. Uh, In the suburbia, in smaller towns, there's more of a a conservative sort of ideas. And so that that was how I would equate that. We um, We had Protestants and Catholics, so there was a cultural civil war of religion between Protestants and Catholics. Today, I would say it would probably be Christianity and relativism, the absolute truth versus the truth that you feel. There's definitely a cultural civil war happening. He said there was a cultural civil war between blacks and whites. Um, Back then, uh, the black community started to move north, and so their culture was um, spread amongst so many new people, and so it was this cultural civil war of, of their culture versus the traditional culture that was there. And so there was this black and white thing happening. Today, there's kind of like this black and white thing happening, although today I believe it's mostly manufactured and energized by media and organizations that are just out to divide us. Absolutely, there's stuff happening that's real, but it's largely manufactured and, uh, and energized by evil and corrupt organizations and media. Um, there was this uh, cultural civil war between new women and the advocates of old-fashioned family values. And so the new woman represented like promiscuity and how women could now, you know, sleep with multiple partners. They got the right to vote. The, the article said they dressed a little bit more scandalously. And so uh, it's kind of like Halloween, you know. Um, um, <laughs> Halloween's always like an opportunity to just dress up, you know. Uh, so there was, this, there was this cultural civil war between uh, traditional family values and this idea of this new woman. And today, uh, maybe more than ever, our traditional family values are under attack. The nuclear family is under attack. No longer is it the best case scenario for you to have a man and a woman married with children. Um, As we know, and as I've maybe told you before, multiple studies, secular studies as well, would say that a man and a woman and their children give the child the best opportunity to be successful but that's under attack. Life is under attack. Um, you know, there's, there's people that, that are okay with abortion up until birth and after birth. Like, like traditional values are under attack more than ever. There is a cultural civil war happening that is similar to what was happening in the 1920s. And so the 20s was a, was a crazy time. It was a historic decade, and they, it, it came to be known as the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. To title my message, this afternoon is the Roaring Twenties. It is the Roaring Twenties, because how many people know the 2020s has been a little bit crazy? 
It's been a little bit historic thus far. So the Roaring Twenties ended in October of 1929. The stock market crashed, thus propelling or catapulting America into a Great Depression. So with just two months left in the most, you know, maybe historic decade of all time, just two months left, it plunges into the Great Depression. How many people wish they would have uh, listened more in history class? Anybody? I wish I would have. Nowadays, not so much because they're not really teaching history. So... But, just, but I wish I would, have, I would have known some of this stuff and listened a little bit more. So America falls into the, to this depression just two months to go in the 1920s. What's interesting is just two months into the 2020s, the devil has tried to bring America back into uh, a great depression. And I believe it is demonically induced and energized what's happening to America. And so far we are in somewhat of a great depression when you look at the amount of depression that is around the world. Depression is up, suicide is up, divorce is up, you know, domestic violence is up, addictions are up. It's crazy what's happening. The devil has had a level of success thus far in 2020s. I mean, it's been a crazy, crazy 10 months of 2020. Would you agree? So crazy that my wife had this idea of a costume for my son, and, uh, and this kind of depicts what 2020 has been like so far. That's what 2020 has been like. Just crazy. Hair everywhere. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Holton Heinrichs right in the front row. And uh, <laughs> 2020, that's what it's been like. So the roar of the 2020s has been largely with the enemy thus far. But let me just remind you that the roar is for the righteous. And that the righteous are going to get their roar back in 2020 in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour or drown. And I feel like that, that word drown has been a, a, a very, um, the right word for 2020 so far. So many people are drowning in confusion and financial stress and marital bliss and all this kind of stuff. Um, or marital unrest, so, so people are drowning and the devil has been roaring and been screaming at people trying to devour you. And the Bible says that he roams around seeking whom he can devour, which means there's people he can't devour. So we need to get to a place where we are undevourable, right? As a church and as people. But there's been a roar. There's been a roar of intimidation, of fear, and of control. They're trying to tell you what you have to wear over your face every time you leave your house, how far away you have to stand from people if you can go into that store or that store, if you can go to that park or that game, if, you can, if your kids can play sports or go to school. There's this fear and intimidation that says, if you do these things, you're gonna die. Even though 99.94% of the people don't, but there's this fear and there's this intimidation and there's this control and they're trying to tell you how many people you can have over for Thanksgiving. You can only have three families, and you have to have a mask on in between every bite. And if you want to worship, you can't sing, because if you sing, you know, it's, it's really dangerous. And, and, and if, you, if you want to play instruments, don't play wind instruments, because you might spit on somebody. This is really happening, people. The reason this is really happening is because when they were like, oh, everybody wear a mask, everybody did. Everybody stand far apart, everybody did. 
Everybody close your business, and everybody did. Everybody close your church, and everybody did. So how far are they gonna go as far as we let them go? There's intimidation, there's fear, and there's control, and it's not gonna stop unless we stand up and say, that's enough, that's enough, that's it. But there's been that roar. It's been this intimidating roar. There's been a roar of division, trying to divide different people, groups, and races. They're trying to put you in a box. If you believe this, you can't be with this. If you're for that, you can't be for that, like Pastor Kenny was saying. It's like, I can't be against police brutality, but also for the police. Is anybody for police brutality? But they're saying if you're for the police, then you're for police brutality. Like what? They're trying to divide us. They're, they're making you pick a side. They're trying to divide. There's been a roar. There's been a roar. They're, in social media, do you know we are being played on social media? We are the product. There is a, a documentary called Social Dilemma, and it will freak you out a little bit. It will, it, will, it will tell you that you are a product, and all the big tech is selling you, selling your behaviors. They're sending you videos and information only you want to see. And they're sending them information uh, about, uh, based on their behaviors that they want to see. And so they're never seeing what we're seeing, and they're never seeing what we're seeing. And so that just keeps you divided, because I'm looking at this stuff going, why? It is so obvious to me what is happening. The science actually is, it's clear. It's clear, like, what, what is happening on, in the world? But then there's other people that don't believe, like I believe, that are going, oh my gosh, it's so clear. The science is so clear. I can't believe that they think that. And it's like, it's because we're only getting fed information that we want to see or that we believe in, so there is a division, and it is a roar from the enemy. It is an attack from the devil trying to keep us divided. There's a roar against family values, I already talked about. There's a roar against economic philosophies. Socialism, there's a roar about socialism trying to bring down America and the capitalist republic that we have been forever that has made us the most successful country of all time, but now there's a roar of socialism saying, no, that's evil, that's evil. We need to take from the rich and redistribute to the poor. That'll motivate people. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense, but there's a roar. We're gonna tax you up to 62% if, you're, if you own a company. How are you going to pay your employees? And then you get your money that's taxed, and then you pay for something, it gets taxed, and you buy gas, and then it gets taxed, but taxes are good. So we can give it to the people? No. You know what the Bible says about poor people? It doesn't say give them stuff. You know, it says preach the gospel to them. Preach the gospel because the gospel has the ability to pull you out of poverty and make you responsible, put you to work. It's not just handouts. It's not just handouts. But there's been a roar trying to bring down America and what's made it great, what's made it unique, what's made it the most generous nation in the history of the world. It's not because we've been taking from people, it's because we've been empowering them to go make and be great. But there's been a roar against it. There's been a roar of separation of church and state, like Pastor Kenny was saying. There's been a roar against religious freedom. What's happened is, the government has come into the church and politicized the Bible. They've politicized biblical issues like life, like marriage, like gender, like how to treat people, like government, like business. They've come into the church, politicized the Bible, 
pulled, him at, pulled it out of the church, made it a political thing, and then said, church, there's a separation between church and state. You can't speak into these now political issues. But they're biblical issues that they've politicized. And so now the church has bowed and been manipulated and neutered and have no voice. So there's churches all over the world that now aren't speaking into stuff because they've allowed the government to politicize the Bible. It's crazy what's happening. We haven't done that. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna be manipulated. We're not gonna stand down. We're not gonna just let it happen. We're gonna stand up for truth. And here is the antidote to all of this roar. This is how the righteous get their roar back. It's found in Proverbs 29.2. And it says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Not just righteous people rejoice, the people rejoice. When the righteous people are in authority, all people, wicked or righteous, will rejoice because things will go well. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. Now, I love this verse. I've talked about this verse before, and, and every time I've ever sort of uh, preached about this verse or talked about this verse before this last season of lockdown has been, hey, we got to get righteous people, people that do right by God, that's what righteous is, into seats of authority on school boards, as mayors, as assembly people, as congressmen, as governors, as presidents, as vice presidents. we got to get righteous people in those seats of authority. Why? Because righteous people should make righteous laws. Righteous people should make righteous decisions. And when the righteous people are in authority and make righteous decisions, it should go well with us. That is the idea, correct? So we want righteous people in places of government and authority. And I believe that to be true. And I still believe that. And I love that about this verse. But I started to look into this verse more because God was speaking to me about this verse. So I looked up authority. And it says, uh, the definitions of authority, there, there are many but I just brought up a few, and it says, when the righteous are in authority, or when the righteous are increasing, when the righteous are in abundance, the people rejoice. Imagine if we had enough money for, to give to every good work. Not to be taken from us and then given, but for us to make money in abundance and then give to every righteous work. Biblical values, when the righteous, when the people of God are in abundance and increasing, the people rejoice. Another one is when the righteous are brought up, when the righteous are bringing up people of authority, bringing up people that are righteous. Prosperity isn't just about us, it's about bringing people with us, right? So we need to bring up, disciple people, bring people up and place them in seats of authority. Teach them how to live, teach them how to make money, teach them how to go after God, teach them how to believe for things. When the righteous are bringing other righteous people up, when the righteous are enlarging, the people rejoice. Today we had our first services at San Marcos and our brand new campus. Are you trying to tell me that that campus, as the righteous have enlarged and taken ground in San Marcos, that that area isn't gonna rejoice? That area isn't gonna be brought up. That area isn't going to increase. When the righteous are enlarging, did you know that we are starting another campus at Maranatha Christian School out of this campus? It's gonna be called the Dale Sir Campus, led by Charles and Tessa Fuller. Are you trying to tell me that as we take ground there, as we enlarge, that area isn't gonna be blessed? Forest Ranch isn't gonna be blessed? You know why? Because wherever you go, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is within you. So wherever you go, you take the kingdom. And wherever the kingdom is, the people are gonna rejoice. When the righteous are enlarging, that's why it's important when you take ground, when you buy a property, when you move into a new area, guess what? The kingdom of heaven is advancing. 
and the righteous are taking authority. People are going to rejoice. When the righteous are excelling or achieving greatness. Greatness is one of the, one of the definitions. God has ordained you to be great. He's called you and made you to win. He wants you to win, and he's given you power and authority to do that. And here's the thing. We have this saying in the church that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And that's good. But what we found in the marketplace is that doesn't really work. That people care how much you, wait, people don't care how much you know until they know how great you are. Because why would I listen to you in the marketplace if you're not as great as me, if you're not as successful as me when I'm trying to be successful? That's why we need you to be great. That's why we need you to be excellent. That's why we need you to excel so that you can influence people and take them to the next level. You need to be the best mom. You need to be the best dad. You need to be the best plumber, best business, whatever it is that you're doing, be great so that you can influence people because I'm telling you, your advice and your culture will cause people to rejoice. When the righteous are great, the people rejoice. But what, but what I really love about this verse and what God was really speaking to me about, and if you know me, I like the spiritual stuff. The spiritual stuff, when the righteous are in spiritual authority, the people rejoice. What has happened is we have let evil rule over America in these roaring 20s. We have let an evil agenda roar over America in these 20s because righteous people have ceased to take their authority. That's my belief. We're not fighting a physical battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. It's one in the spirit, and then it will manifest in the natural so we need to take our spiritual authority. Luke 19.10 says this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not he or she who was lost, although he did come to seek he or she. He came to, see to seek that which was lost. That is your authority and your dominion and your relationship with Christ that the devil stole from you in the Garden of Eden. Jesus died on a cross to restore your authority. So when you get saved, it's not just to give you a ticket in heaven, it's to put a mantle of authority on you on earth. But when are the people of God gonna take their place in culture on earth and their place in the spirit in the heavens? When is that gonna happen? We need to take our authority back. The Bible says, look at this, Luke 19, 10, flip it, Luke 10, 19, my favorite verse. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. And listen, nothing by shall any means hurt you. Do we believe the Bible today? Listen to me, I, I, I would rather walk into an emergency room full of COVID positive people slobbering on me than be forced and intimidated to stay at my house with a mask on, isolated. Because the Bible says nothing by shall any means hurt you. Where, when are we gonna step up and take our authority? When are we gonna step up and put the name of Jesus on the line? When the righteous take authority. The people rejoice. You're more powerful than you think. You, we don't serve a God of a virus or a sickness. We serve a God that healeth thee. That is your God. That is my God. Psalm 103, 1 to 4 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
David is writing this Psalm and I believe that he may not believe what he's saying. I believe that he's in a conflict right here and he is saying, Lord, even though things aren't looking well, I'm gonna bless the Lord. Sometimes you gotta declare to yourself what you know is true, not what you feel like is happening. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. You gotta declare to your mind, will, and emotions what you know to be true, even if you're not seeing it in your world. And forget not all his benefits. When you receive Jesus, you receive a benefits package. Who forgives all of your iniquities and who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Sometimes you gotta tell yourself, even when your life is being destroyed, it seems, that God is a God who redeems your life from destruction. You gotta remind your mind. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're gonna be destroyed, guess what? You might be destroyed. If you think, I'm gonna get sick, I'm gonna get sick. If I go outside, if I, uh, guess what? You might just get sick. But if you declare to yourself that my God is a God that redeems my life from destruction, you're gonna come out of this thing winning. You're gonna come out of this thing excelling. You're gonna come out of this thing having learned so much. But sometimes you just gotta tell yourself, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Proverbs 11, 10 to 11, gosh, I love the Bible. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. Your success affects the city. And when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Did you know there are wicked people in power right now? Did you know that I believe that we as Christians need to pray Old Testament prayers right now? We can't be afraid of the people that are in power. I'm praying prayers like in the name of Jesus, I declare this man's rule and reign falling apart and somebody replacing him in Jesus' name. I declare your policies are not being heard by the people, but righteous people are rising in Jesus' name. We tear you down, your ideas aren't righteous in Jesus' name. We can declare that stuff. We can declare that stuff. Read the Old Testament if you wanna learn how to pray with some authority. Verse 11 says, by the blessing, which is benediction or declaration of the upright, a city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Let me just tell you, thus far in 2020, there has been a roar from the wicked that is overthrowing America, or trying to. But there are righteous people that are standing. What are you saying about your city? What are you saying about your state? Are you blessing it or are you cursing it? Because your words have power. God has put you in a place of authority on the earth. Your words have power, whether you're blessing or whether you're cursing. Let me prove it to you. 1 Timothy 6.15 says this, which he will manifest in his own name. He who is blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Check this out. This is king, big K, king, small K, Lord, big L, Lord, small L. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has put you in a place of authority. In Ecclesiastes it says where the word of a king is, there is power. So whether you're blessing or cursing, your word is shifting things. Are you blessing our city or are you cursing our city? Are you blessing our state or are you cursing our state? Are you blessing America or are you cursing America? Because your words have power. I was watching the news the other day and it, and it irked me because this guy's on the news and he's like, he's like, it's so hard as a conservative to win the presidency because you start off and you lose New York and all the delegates, 
electoral college, you lose California. And I was like, shut up. Don't curse my state. Don't curse my state. Because I believe there is a, a red wave happening in California of righteous people standing up and putting them in authority. There's a shift happening where the ideas of the Bible, and it's not about a personality, it's about the platform, it's about what they stand for, it's about life, it's about religious freedom. Don't curse what you want blessed. Your words have power. And we gotta pray. We gotta pray more than ever. Luke 11:2. 2, we know this. So he said to them, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now listen. You will not be able to pray this prayer when you get to heaven. You don't need to pray this prayer when you get to heaven. The will of God happens in heaven. Right here and right now on earth, we have the opportunity and the privilege and the power to bring heaven to earth but we only have a limited amount of time while we're here on earth. Let's take advantage of it. That's an exciting thing to realize that we can pray his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, but you only have a short time to do it. Let's be people that pray and let's be people that see heaven invade earth. What a privilege it is that God has given us. What a seat of authority he has given us to pray. And I'll end with this story in 2 Samuel 23, nine to 10. I love this story. It's talking about David and his mighty men. It says, and after him was Eleazar. Eleazar means God is a helper. The son of Dodo. Dodo means loving. Isn't it interesting that a loving father produces a mighty man of God, a warrior, a soldier. The Ahohites, one of three mighty men with David, and they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. So Eleazar and the mighty men, Eleazar and David, defied the Philistines, came, the enemy came in, and Eleazar and David defied the Philistines. And the men of Israel had retreated. This is so the last six, eight months. The enemy has come in and so many people of God, Israel, have retreated. So many pastors and leaders, I'm sorry to say, have retreated. So many of them have said, no, 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 we fear losing people more than we fear God. And so they've tried to do this PC thing and appeal to everybody, but I found when you try to appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. And you're raising weak Christians, weak people that, that don't know how to fight. But this doesn't say that. This says that when everybody else retreated, Eleazar, the mighty man, David, the mighty man, stood and defied the army of the Philistines. So everybody else was retreated, verse 10, but he arose. Eleazar arose. He didn't just arise. He attacked the Philistines. This guy is a disciple of David. David, when he saw Goliath, he didn't retreat like everybody else. He ran to the valley and cut off his head. That's discipleship. Eleazar, when everybody else retreated, he arose and he attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. So Eleazar is fighting all these Philistines. He's fighting 
all these Philistines to the point where his hand is clinging to the sword. It's like, it like freezes on the sword, but he won't let the sword go. That's his only chance to survive. That's his only chance to win is if he hangs on to the sword. My friends, the sword is the sword of the spirit. All we gotta do when we fight is hang on to the word of God. Because if we can just hang on, if we can freeze our hand to the word of God, we're gonna win. We got a shot. It's the word of God. Don't let go of the word of God. Don't let go of Jesus. Jacob wrestled with God all night. And he said, I ain't letting go until you bless me. And he didn't let go. And finally God said, no longer Jacob, but Israel. We gotta keep our eyes on Jesus. What happens in the world is it gets crazy in the roaring 20s and all this stuff is happening, confusion. And so instead of looking at Jesus, instead of clinging to the word, we look at our circumstances. We look at people. We start to listen to politicians. We start to listen to smart people. And just like when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, when he's walking on water, started looking at the circumstances, he sunk. We gotta keep our eyes on Jesus. We gotta keep our hand clinging to the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, because if we do, the next verse says, the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. Here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna to cling to the word of God. We're gonna keep preaching the truth. God is gonna bring about a great victory and the people that retreated, they're gonna come back into the house of God. They're gonna come back to plunder. They're gonna come back to a church that is roaring, that is flourishing, that is prospering. And it's okay, we're gonna welcome them back and say, come on back, come on in. We'll fight for you. God has ordained us to fight and to lead and to take our place of authority. Come on back, y'all. Come on back, y'all. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. And they're gonna see that there's a God in Israel that is alive today. There's a God in heaven that is still in authority today that there is a God, our God, that doesn't bow to no spirit, no man, no agenda. There is no devil above his level. And it's okay. Because God is just looking for a few people to stand, a remnant of people to stand. He's gonna bring about a good victory, a great victory. Everybody's gonna come back and it's gonna be fun. And we'll all be back together again, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.